Hi, Drew. Hey, Monique. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad you made it. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, uh, for everybody listening, I'm here with my friend Monique Coven once again, joined again by Monique. And uh, Monique is a trauma recovery coach that you can find at cptsdcoach.com. And Monique and I get together once in a while to talk about some interesting topics that are sort of related to what we got going on in the podcast. And uh, what are we going to talk about today? Well, I was telling you about, and I actually made a podcast on this, um, you know, I discovered, which I kind of already knew, but I myself was listening to a training on trauma, and it was talking about one of the biggest shocking experiences when we have trauma is that we go through this experience of, you know, fight and flight, getting ready to our bodies is, is getting mobilized, ready to do something. And then we have this realization that there's nothing we can do. And the, in this training, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk said, it's this realization that we cannot escape. It's the inescapability piece. And when I heard that, I said, yes, that's exactly it. It's that, it's that experience that we have been, trauma survivors, especially with early developmental trauma where abuse was repeated over and over and over again. We went through that experience repeatedly where we desperately needed help and wanted to escape but we couldn't. And that experience was completely overwhelming on our physiology and our psychology. And this plays out when we are faced with new situations in our present that we think, whether whether it's conscious or not, that we might be in that same experience where there's no escape. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because so much of the stuff that my listeners hear me talk about all the time is all about teaching your brain the fact that there is a natural escapability. Like, you know, if we come, become non-reactive to our anxiety and panic, we will naturally escape it because it will end. But mm-hmm. if there's a traumatic event in the past, mm-hmm. you may be conditioned to say, no, no, there's nothing I can do. Like, this is just going to continue. Is that, well, that yeah. do I have that kind of nailed properly? Well, the experience of the trauma, and this again, I'll repeat it, it happens at the autonomic level. So it's it's not in the conscious thinking. It it kind of right. happens, you know, underneath. And we go into this immobilization. And that experience is so frightening for us. It's completely overwhelming, that helpless, frightening space. And it was conditioned in, as you were saying over and over and over again that yes we we have this deep memory that you know this could happen again and i'm not gonna do it and i don't even want to go there so we don't even try and Uh, yeah and for me i get that because i used to have you've heard me talk about this before for years and years i had a a fear of driving far Mm -hmm. um and i was afraid that i would get lost and so just the idea of what my mind would anticipate would really be that 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 feeling that I had, which was I'd get lost and then I'd freeze and then I couldn't speak. And then I so I was like imagining that 
that same experience that happened to me a million times in my past, I thought that that would happen if I got lost when I drove. And I saw things through that lens. I didn't see it through the real <clears throat> excuse me through the reality which was that I have a mouth, I can ask for directions, I have a phone that has a GPS, um, I have a credit card, I, you know, I have these kind of tools. I couldn't even think of those things because all I remembered was helpless, powerless, yeah. stuck, yeah. and all of that. That's so interesting. I think it relates to <clears throat> a topic you and I discussed in one of our earlier episodes together. And, you know, I know we've talked about this privately too, where I run into people on a, on a regular basis that have had those bad experiences that you're talking about in their past, whatever they may be. And some people, when they're in this situation where now they're dealing with an anxiety disorder, they almost feel that, what's the point? Why should I even bother to do this thing that, Drew, you keep talking about? And I've often had a hard time putting my brain around, mm -hmm. like, I, I've always attributed to, is it a confidence and a self-esteem thing? But maybe it's more so what you're talking about here, where... What's the point of I, why should I even try that? That's inescapable. That that inescapability has been conditioned in. Like, why would I go into this fearful, difficult, scary situation when I know that it's just going to continue? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that inability or or a blockage or something that says I, I shouldn't even try this. There's no way this is going to happen for me. Yeah. Maybe maybe this is what is we're seeing. Yeah, um, and. And, and again, because we've had that experience of that immobilization and the fear that goes with that, we will do anything, anything not to feel that again. Um, but what I, what I realized was that, I mean, you really have to get kind of insight into that, that, that you are what's going on, first of all, and that that was your experience in the past so many times, but that actually you do have what it takes. You know, many, even people that I work with now who have that same fear, mm -hmm. they can drive. They know how to drive. They've got the skills. They've done it before. It's just still this, this fear that, but what if, what if, I don't know, I start to panic and then I go into that place where I, I suddenly can't speak. My language is gone and I'm, you know, and, and it's kind of, it's kind of understanding that, yeah, that makes sense, and you have compassion for that because, my goodness, you've been through that so many times. And so instead of getting angry at yourself and not having compassion, you look at this with a place of compassion um, and that really you're just trying to protect yourself in a way because you're afraid it might happen again, but knowing that you actually, in reality, have everything you need to be able to drive, to be able to manage, you have it. And so, yeah, that's the, that's kind of the change that, that, that can happen. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes perfect sense. It, it just, I find it so fascinating. I mean, not fascinating. It's, it's almost tragic and heartbreaking sometimes yeah, when yeah. you see somebody and, and I'm always kind of, a, we have that different approach, you and I, you know, you, yeah. you're looking at the underneath sometimes and for me, I'm usually just trying to solve the problem of yeah. the, the disorder itself, which could be piled on top of you know, that trauma in the past, which is no good, but yeah, um, like you can imagine yeah. for someone who let's say has had really, a really traumatic history right. and they've gone into that fight and flight a zillion times because of that fear of inescape. Well, the fear yep. of inescapability came up and then you say, now just go drive, just drive, push yourself, just do it. Right. It's 
you know, if you haven't really had a wider understanding of what's going on, sometimes it can be, you can experience what you were telling me. Some of your clients are like, no, why should I even bother? You know, because they right. think that's going to happen. Yeah. Yes. It, it's almost that they're defeated before they even try. Yeah. I think, and, and everybody wants to do it. Everybody wants to. Yes. And there's a couple of blockages to doing it, you know, th this way, that, that cognitive behavioral way where you defeat the disorder by going toward it. But, and I understand the most common is, well, this is really hard and this is scary. So that for everybody has that block. But then there are some that just feel there's almost a despondence that says, well, this is hard and scary. I would love to do it, but what's the point? I don't have the ability to recover from right. this. Yeah. And I, I think maybe that, that undercurrent of inescapability, like nothing, because in that traumatic or abusive event, there's nothing you could do. Nothing yeah. you did stopped it from happening. It just kept happening. So, And physiologically, I mean, your body does shut down and your cognitive brain is offline. So it's oh, yeah. like you can't start, you know, getting logical when someone's in the middle yeah. of a, yeah, the amygdala is going off. You can't start right. saying, right. So I think it's that, it's that expecting that that's going to happen. And you know what? It might happen. Right. But, the, but, the, but when you have more of an understanding, it might happen but it's going to move through you. Much like the way we talk about thoughts, it's kind of the same thing with your physiology. When sure. you have an understanding that that's what's going on and that, yeah, you might feel some stuff, but that's all that's going on and you know it will move through you and your thinking brain will eventually you know, come back online right. and you will be able to manage. And I think, it, but what's interesting about this is it adds another layer underneath the stuff that I'm continually talking about. So for me, the message is always, yes, you may panic. You may experience extreme panic, but if you just go into it and don't react to it, it will pass, just like you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. Now, for somebody who maybe didn't have that traumatic background, like me, you know, for, the experience ends there. Yes, I mm. had a panic attack yes. and I was okay and, and I'm back online and I'm living my life and I just taught myself not to be afraid of the panic. Right. But for somebody who comes from maybe the background that many of your clients do, mm -hmm. there's another level of story that has to be told afterwards. Yes. You know, the, the level that says, yep, it was just panic. It was fine. It was just physiology. I was okay. I did it. I did it better this time and I learned not to be afraid. But then those people may have to continue the story. Mm. And say, see, this wasn't like it was. I did escape it. Yes. It's yes. not just I was okay. It was I was able to get out of the situation. Yes. See, yeah. see, there is also some work that has to be done that I do with my clients, which is really looking at the places in their life. Because when you've been through trauma, it's very black and white. And you believe that you are powerless because you were powerless and it's been conditioned. And so you presently in your present life I'm powerless, I'm helpless, I can't do anything. But you start to, I, I help them look at the areas where they do have empowerment, that they are able and capable. And so I work towards helping them see their own empowerment. And that mm -hmm. really helps start to demolish some of those early beliefs that went along with the trauma experience. So in other words, when that tra traumatic experience happened, yes, it was a physiological response of immobility, but then it moved up to our brain and we made a narrative about it, a story. And the story right. was, I'm capable, I can't, I'm incapable, sorry, I'm frozen, I can't get out, things will never change. And then that becomes our beliefs. So the two really go together. So that's why I do think it's important to really look at those things too, because then as we start to feel more empowered and see our strengths, 
we will have more confidence to maybe take the opportunity right, take to drive. Leap. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I think it's, it, it, yeah, we are in almost 100% agreement on this. You're just deeper, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, like, it I does. am a, a huge fan of, you know, when you are not in a panic for, for my people, if you will, you know, when you're not in a panic, those tools that you can learn from a cognitive behavioral therapist, for instance, are extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. Fact checking and thought challenging, much like you're talking about. When you're in a rational state, you can look at like rationally say, hey, wait a minute, I have a job. I have a family. I, I accomplish things. Mm-hmm. I, you know, mm-hmm. you can challenge those false beliefs. And then use that when you go into that dangerous or what you perceive as a dangerous situation to help you guide yourself through it. So it's very similar. There's just an additional dimension, I think, that comes with somebody who's been conditioned by trauma or abuse to feel incapable. Everybody feels afraid. Everybody knows it's hard to do these things that I talk about. But I guess if you've got that traumatic background, you may feel literally incapable Mm -hmm. of tackling this process Mm -hmm. before it even starts. Yeah. Yeah. So that is an amazing insight that I think would be so, so helpful for people to hear. So helpful. Yeah. And, and why yeah. I love it, love it so much is because, I mean, I spent <laughs> decades really, um, I don't know, blaming myself, shaming myself. Oh, you know, you can't even drive what's wrong with you. And, you know, look at, look at other people, how they do it without blinking. What's, you know, just constantly and no compassion. And I had already been through a childhood where I was completely abandoned. Now I'm just continuing, you know, the damage by telling myself off and not being kind to myself at all. Right. But that's completely changed, completely. Huh. You know, I I find the the definition sometimes of compassion could slide depending on, you know, the context that you're in. Mm -hmm. And sometimes compassion, I mean, I see people sometimes confuse being kind to themselves and compassion can become an avoidance for people who are trying to deal with an anxiety disorder. But I don't think it's that. Compassion Mm -hmm. is just acknowledging, hey, I had this conditioning. Like, this isn't my Mm -hmm. fault. It's it's okay for me to have these thoughts and I can fix them. Like, to me, that's a much more compassionate look at yourself. Compassion and self-care doesn't always mean sitting in in an Epsom salt bath with candles (laughs) and staying. But but I think, and I know (laughs) it sounds a little funny, but I run across many people who will wrap themselves in that cloak. I must be be kind to myself, but really it just means I'm afraid, so I'm just going to retreat. Whereas I think what you're talking about is more of an acknowledgement of what you went through. Absolutely. See, that's, like, that, that's another huge piece for trauma survivors. Like, it's, it's so gi- ginormous. And that is that, you know, we have been through such horrific, horrific situations, many of us, you know, our entire childhood, adolescent, and we did not have one compassionate look or one compassionate eye or um, acknowledgement or validation, not one. And so that left us feeling like there was something very wrong with me or that I must be garbage or I must be just horrible because nobody is, is, is acknowledging this horrific thing I, I, I've been through. Yeah. And so by being compassionate towards ourselves, it, it just changes things for us internally um we don't we don't have to then look for other people to approve of us or give us the validation because we are now seeing ourselves as we really are and giving ourselves what we needed then and now 
Yeah. And I think that ability to kind of learn to trust yourself again is usually a big part of the puzzle when, when people are going through this anxiety disorder recovery. If you're a trauma survivor, an abuse survivor, that must be that much more difficult. Yeah. And so we often see there, there's two kinds of reassurance seeking that I see. There's the, there's the technical reassurance seeking. Are you sure I'm not having a heart attack, which is normal in the beginning? But then there's the, the recovery reassurance seeking. Did I do that right? Am I doing this right? Should, mm -hmm. should I have done this differently? Should I be thinking differently? Should I be acting differently? And it's almost that need, like, please validate that I am doing this correctly now, mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. opposed to just, I think I do everything wrong because that's what I was taught. Yes. So, yeah, it, it helps me understand a little bit more when the reassurance seeking becomes more of, please tell me I'm doing this right because yeah. I don't think I'm capable of doing it right. Oh, so you yeah. need to tell me. Yeah. So it was so incredibly helpful to see it in different lights sometimes. Mm -hmm. yeah, and this is yeah. where I, I mean, I guess because of my own experience of knowing the complete isolation, I mean, I describe it as feeling like you're the only person alive in the world and nobody gives a blank. And it's just such a, and so when I, when I listen to my clients speak, I just want to grab them and hold them and tell them that they are loved and that they matter and that I see them and because this is what they have never had they've never yeah. had that acknowledgement and attunement and uh, yeah well it must be so tremendously helpful when you do that we should be doing this together because it would be like good cop bad cop Monique's going to tell you that you're great <laughs> and Drew's going to kick your ass at the door and make you go do the exposure <laughs> so <laughs> I like you my partner here wants to beat the hell out of you so, <laughs> oh, that's anyway, funny. This yeah. is such a useful conversation, and I so appreciate you taking the time. I think we're up to about 20 or so minutes, so we don't want to oh, make it too long. Okay. And um, tell everybody where they can find you. And I will, in the description of this podcast, whether you're listening on iTunes or whatever, and on my website, I'll link the specific episode that Monique is talking about that, that she did in her podcast. But oh, otherwise, great. where can people reach out to you? Okay, well, I also have a podcast called Freedom from CPTSD and Anxiety, and I have a Facebook and an Instagram account at CPTSD Coach, uh, and yeah, those are the places you can find me. Cool. Well, I encourage everybody, especially if this stuff resonates, like go and reach out to Monique and see what she's got to offer because there's a tremendous amount there. And as always, my friend, it is a pleasure to do this with you. Oh, and, uh, you too. Yes, I cannot wait to do the next one. And I guess you have a great day. Oh, you too. Thanks. Bye, Drew. All right. Bye, Monique. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Push through the pressure like an atom bomb. You keep on dancing like it's your last song. Makes no difference if you're right or wrong. Now you're on your way. It's in the afterglow It's in the lyrics of the songs we know It's in these feelings that you never show Yeah, you're doing fine It's all around you, you can breathe it in And this is where your story begins You got the feeling that you're gonna win Yeah, you're doing